This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is, usually, every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date, but today we're doing a little angel catch-up episode. Okay, so, (laughs) not that anyone cares, probably, either way, but I, trying to find where it starts in my notes, there we go, I watched five episodes of Angel in a row (laughs) on Saturday night. Um, So, and then at that point it was late enough that I was, I just didn't feel like talking about it. So here I am two days later recording. So, oh, you know what I forgot? Okay. I forgot something. Hold please. Let me read for you the description from Nikki Stafford's Angel episode guide entitled Once Bitten. Okay, so the first of the five episodes that I needed to catch up on originally aired December 10th, 2001. So that's how behind I am. Five episodes all the way, going all the way back to early December. So the first episode was called Dad. The summary. Angel becomes fiercely protective of his, of his newborn son as demons move in to try to kill the infant. Meanwhile, Holtz rec- recruits a woman for his new gang of warriors. Okay, so I think how I'm going to do it is I'll just read the like summary in the book. And then I will read my own notes. And I have varying amounts of notes. Like this first episode, I have like a paragraph of notes. The second episode, I have like two thirds of a page. The third episode, another two thirds of a page. And the, wait, what? One, two, three. Yeah. And then the fourth and fifth episodes, I have half a page each. So my notes for dad are angel is being overprotective and a total asshole. Everyone wants this baby. It cries a lot. Holtz sucks. Flo is files and records. <laughs> the the woman that plays Flo on the progressive commercials, she was in that episode as like the files and records person. She was like a robot of some kind um, in Wolfram and Hart. Oh, wait, maybe Angel did trust them. Well, that's nice. Connor. <laughs> Those are my notes. So I was experiencing while watching this particular chunk of episodes, and I hope that it doesn't infect into other things that I like, other pop culture that I like. But lately I've been listening to a podcast called I Hate It, But I Love It. And it is like a pop culture criticism podcast where two women that are about my age, so like, you know, late 30s, early 40s, um, talk about different pop culture things like TV series or movies where they, they kind of, I think one of them is a screenwriter and one of them is an actor and, or they are both, both, but they're definitely in like the entertainment industry. And so the way that they critique 
um, pop culture is very much from behind the scenes, from sort of a, not like they've literally been behind the scenes of anything that they're talking about, but it's from a perspective of, um, particularly from a perspective of plot construction as, as screenwriters themselves. And I have found that I probably need to stop listening to this podcast simply because I'm not a person that focuses a lot on plot. And it turns out that when I do focus on plot, it kind of ruins things for me. You know, I don't want to feel like I'm seeing like the plot devices that people are using. You know, I just want to go on the ride. And I noticed that this particular podcast is possibly affecting my thinking while I was watching these episodes of Angel. Now, to be fair, I don't love the show Angel. And watching five episodes in a row, I mean, I didn't need to do that. You know, I could have taken it slower than that, but I just wanted to get caught up so I could move on. I want to go back to talking about Angel for the first five minutes of the podcast. I want to go back to that ritual because getting behind was not working for me. It was just making me feel guilty. <laughs> and I still want to continue with this angel project as well, um, even though I want to devote much less time to it. But anyway, um, I was just seeing behind the curtain the entire time watching these episodes. I was, and particularly because I'm very familiar with Joss Whedon. Like I've seen all of his shows. I've seen close to all of his movies. I am very much, um, I, I very much know his particular tropes and they're all pretty basic, you know? Um, so this episode is an example of, I mean, I don't know what you call it, but it's an example of like throughout the whole episode, you're thinking, oh my God, Angel's being such a dick because he won't let anyone hold Connor. Like he's basically like, I'm never going to let him out of my sight. He's being super overprotective and obsessive, which totally tracks for Angel. So you believe it the entire time. But then at the end of the episode, you find out that that was an act because be I mean, I guess part of it wasn't an act that was kind of his inclination, but then he leaned really hard into it once he found out that there were cameras and listening devices all over the hotel, but then they didn't do anything to destroy any of the cameras that are in the hotel. So I don't know because Wolfram and Hart has been wa have been watching them for a while now. <laughs> They've got, or maybe not that long, but for a bit. And they also have audio and Lauren's staying with them now because his place got destroyed again because of Angel. Um, I don't remember exactly how that happened, but so he starts staying with them again because of Angel and um, he notices a hum and he recognizes pretty quickly that there's cameras everywhere in the hotel except the janitor's closet. So he kind of like tips Angel off to this at one point during the episode. Later on, you find out that he was pretending to be this super overprotective dad as a bait and switch because he goes on like this crazy, he like leaves everyone behind with the baby 
and they're like, don't leave us, Angel. And he leaves everyone behind and all the different, like, demon groups and who all, all these fucking people are after this baby, which whatever, because it's a prophesized baby. It's the baby of a vampire. Blah, blah, blah. Don't fucking care about Connor ever. Anyway, so they all go after him and he's driving crazy out into the night with this baby in his lap and they all chase him into like some warehouse or something. I don't know. And it turns out the baby isn't real. The baby, he actually left the baby with everyone in the hotel and people are attacking the, everyone in the back at the hotel too, but the baby is safely ensconced away in like a room upstairs or some shit, whatever. So I don't care. Next episode, birthday. Okay. Summary. When Cordelia receives a powerful vision that puts her in a coma, she has an out-of-body experience in which she's told that she has to give up the visions or she'll die. So it turns out um, Cordelia having a birthday, this episode aired January 14th, 2002. So Cordelia's birthday is only like a week before Buffy's birthday. Not the way that it aired this particular season, but typically I think Buffy's birthday is supposed to be January 19th. That may be wrong. There are different, like if you looked up like a Buffy wiki on what her birthday is, there would probably be a couple of different birthdays. And it's just from fans putting it together that her birthday episodes are usually airing around the same time. I don't know if her actual tombstone had said her birthday or not. Anyway, um, just, just saying Cordelia, Drusilla and Buffy all have very similar birthday times. Um, so everybody surprises her. We, we get like a moment in the beginning of the episode where Cordelia is taking some medication, some kind of prescription medication, because she's obviously like not, she's obviously still having headaches. You know, they've been dropping hints on this for a while that she's not doing well with the visions. Um, let me just read you my notes. I'll read you all of my notes and then I'll talk about the episode for a second. Okay. Reminder, Cordelia is not okay, but it's her birthday. Big vision, out of body experience. Dennis threw a party, ghost Dennis that she lives with. Gun thinks Fred is so cool. Wesley, if she's in the astral plane, she could be here unable to communicate. And she is. Prescriptions, CAT scans, and MRIs. Skip. Not as in, like, skip to next scene, but skip the the demon guy, the, like, charismatic demon guy that we met a few episodes back. He's back, like him. Cordelia's ideal self is who she is. So this is, like, a stupid little commentary a stupid little moment that I don't like. And again, because I know the behind the scenes, I know that Charisma Carpenter, who plays Cordelia Chase, was treated very badly by Joss Whedon throughout this series in particular. Um, He was just an asshole to her. He just didn't respect her. And because she wasn't the, the tiny wayfish nerd girl that Joss Whedon has hard-ons for, such as Amy Acker. Um... And so he, I don't know, he was an asshole to her 
So I can just see through that in comments like this. So there's this moment where, so we see Cordelia's kind of like watching herself. So she's in a coma and she's in the astral plane kind of watching herself. And she's wearing the same outfit that she was wearing before she, before that last vision put her in a coma, which was like, just kind of like grubby sweats because she was cleaning um, before everybody surprised her with like her birthday party. Like why was she cleaning like guts and shit off the floor on her fucking birthday? First of all, anyway, <laughs> so she was just wearing that same outfit that she was wearing. It, her real self was wearing in the astral plane. And when Skip shows up um, as a representative of the powers that be, he tells her, you know, usually people are an idealized version of themselves in the astral plane, but you look exactly the same. And instead of that being like a cool commentary on, um, you know, how instead of it, it's said with derision, he says to her, you're pretty confident, aren't you? And it's just shitty. I, it, it comes off shitty, whereas it could have been, that's really cool. That means that you have a great self-image and you're, conf you're self-confident. You know, he, there could have been a better way to say it than you're pretty self-confident, aren't you? But, you know, anyway, so that just kind of pissed me off. And I just felt like I could see through to behind the scenes, like Joss Whedon writing that in just because he's an ass face. He may not have written that line, though. This episode was not written by Joss Whedon, but he famously did punch ups of a lot of scripts. Okay. Um, and then he, you know, Skip basically says to her, a human should never have the sight. Um, and he takes her to a mall for some reason because that's a place that she would feel comfortable, whatever. It is a cool looking mall. Kind of looks like the mall for a mannequin. Could be. I don't know. Um, and he tells her that she has a choice. Like, basically, she can go back to the day at the very beginning of the Angel series. Um, whenever Angel sees her at, like, a party. And she ends up getting caught up with Angel again. And he can take her back to that moment. He can change fate. Like, because apparently according to like the MRIs and the CAT scans and everything, her brain is like, she's basically dying. Her brain is dying from all of the visions. Um, and she's been taking lots of different medications and not telling anyone, um, trying to help her with the pain. Um, and she's just been hiding the pain from everyone, which we knew, but it was actually just the tip of the iceberg. Um, because when they, when Gunn and Fred go to Cordelia's apartment to see, you know, like if she's been hiding anything or whatever that could give them some clues as to why she's in a coma right now, um, they find Dennis helps them at first. Like he's, he's hiding everything. He hides everything so that they can't see. And then they kind of talked to him and they were like, which is cute. Just like having conversation with the ghost, like Dennis, like we, we would never want to hurt Cordelia. We just want to help her. Um, so if there's anything that you're hiding, it would please, please let us see it. And he shows them like a whole 
like Tupperware full of different prescriptions that apparently she's kept them around even if they haven't been working for her. Um, and it's been like a year or so that she's been taking different things and going to doctors and getting all these MRIs and CAT scans that she hasn't told anyone about and blah, blah, blah. Um, so she has a choice. Like she can go back and instead of interacting with Angel at that party, she can be discovered as an actress. And then she kind of goes into, this is sort of a, like I, it wasn't like a direct rip off of like, you know, a Scrooge story, but it kind of what it kind of was a little bit, you know, because this is a story about Cordelia and how her character has changed so much since she was in Sunnydale and blah, blah, blah. And she's not that same girl anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and so she, she does, she chooses it. She chooses to go back. But of course, everyone is worse off without her being a part of the group. Angel is like a mentally deranged mess because in this reality, he ended up with the visions and he couldn't handle them, I guess, mentally. Um, so she, so, and she's super famous in this reality and everyone loves her and adores her and blah, blah, blah. And she goes to talk to Angel and she kisses him so that she can take the visions from him. Um, so she's choosing this life again and Skip's like, no, 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 no. This is not, this is not how this was supposed to go. <laughs> um, and he says, okay, there is one other choice then. If you insist upon this life, you can go back to your old reality and you can um, keep the visions, but we're going to have to make you a little bit demon or something like that. We're going to have to put some demon in you so that you can withstand it because humans aren't supposed to be able to withstand it. Which is interesting because I don't think this happens until season seven of Buffy. But there's a moment also there where someone gives Buffy the choice to accept a little bit of demon in her so that she can go forward with something or other. I don't know. And she says no. She doesn't want to be less human. But Cordelia, Cordelia just immediately agrees. And there seems to be like no consequences of this. So basically... All of this shit that they've been leading up to, that they've been giving us little breadcrumbs of for like a season now, that Cordelia can't handle the visions, like she's having terrible headaches, blah, blah, blah. The entire payoff is this episode where she decides to accept a little bit of demon in her. And to my recollection, there's no drawback to this at all. Like she, they act like this is a big deal, making this choice, deciding to become partially demon. And there's, there's nothing like she's, she's like worried she's going to have horns or a tail. She doesn't have horns or a tail for a second at the very end of the episode. She's floating, but I don't think that ever happens again. So there's no aspect of the demon that ever, I mean, it's just like they were just sick of, building up this storyline. <laughs> so they just decided, let's just fix it for her. <laughs> you know, it was, it was terrible. I didn't like it. Um, so basically now she doesn't have 
hellacious visions that give her terrible headaches. Now she just has a vision and she goes and she describes it and it doesn't cause her terrible pain and that's it. Okay, great. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's go back to my notes. This is where also we get a lot of language in almost every episode about Angel being a champion for whatever reason. I don't know. It's a thing. Um, blah, blah, blah. Cordelia goes to visit a teenager. So this entire episode is based around while she's having that big vision that puts her into a coma, she wasn't able to properly communicate what she was having the vision about. So the entire episode, she's trying to communicate from the astral plane, the content of her vision. Like she's less worried about herself than she is about saving this, this teenager that was in her vision. So at one point when she's in her like, um, famous actress reality, she goes to see that teenager and she saves her in that reality and somehow that still tracks in the her normal reality whenever she goes back to that, whatever. Oh, God. I'm talking about it way more than I want to. <laughs> so let's just stop. Um, next episode. And they're also, at this point, they're building up that both Wesley, throughout this entire, like, chunk of episodes that I watched... Wesley and Gunn both have a huge crush on Fred. She's, you know, the manic pixie dream nerd in the Joss Whedon universe. Um, and they both like her. Also, there's some shit going on between Angel and Cordelia. For, uh, for why? For why? I just... Uh, this... Uh. <laughs> okay. Next episode is called Provider. In an attempt to boost business and raise money for the new Connor Fund, because Angel like wants Connor to have, you know, a college or something, college future, Angel instructs the gang to take on any case and nearly gets them all hurt. So Angel pays for a bunch of promotional materials. He gets a web, he gets uh, Fred, which of course Fred's the computer nerd. Um, gets Fred to put up a website for Angel Investigations. They put flyers up all over town. They get super, super popular for like just this episode and this episode alone. And so they're spread too thin because they're all taking on cases and kind of separating so they can't get a hold of each other when something goes down. Um, here's my, here are my notes. Gun's got a crush on Fred. Holtz is training redheaded chick. Okay. I forgot to even fucking talk about this, but so stupid Holtz, who, if you don't remember, and why would you, is the guy from Angel's past. Angel killed his whole family before he got a soul. Typical Angel past storyline. And he's on a vengeance mission and someone has brought him back. Like he's still human and somehow someone brought him back in this time period. Um, and he's gonna kill Angel, but he, anyway, he's recruited this, um, redheaded woman who is the surviving twin 
of someone that got murdered and she's super vengeful and she's, you know, destructive, self-destructive and she's going out every night killing vampires and he recruits her and he tortures her and he does this whole like weird secretary thing, like the movie secretary. You guys remember that? Where he like stabs her hand into a table. That's happening in this episode. He stabs her hand into a table and like basically tells her like, if you're still here when I come back, then you can join my fight. It's like, why would she want to fucking join your fight? Why would she... no? You no? I hate this storyline so much. I hate everything about Holtz. I hate everything about Connor. Like no. Okay. Holtz is training redheaded chick training or torturing. That was my notes. There's some secretary, secre secretary bullshit happening here. Angel, Wesley, and I don't know why I just wrote Angel. Okay, whatever. Wesley and Gunn fighting over Fred. Demons want Fred to solve a puzzle. Um, so this is one of the cases that comes in. Um, this demon clan that they talk in like cliques and for some reason, Lorne can translate. Um, they want Fred to solve some kind of puzzle because she's the smartest person ever or something. <laughs> and so she goes with them to solve a puzzle. But it turns out once they, once she solves the puzzle, they're going to cut off her head and give it to their demon master. <laughs> of course. They just wanted, you know, her to be able to solve the puzzle to prove how smart she is. Whatever. It's just some kind of cube algorithmic math shit. And Fred is smart enough to figure it out. Um, and I just wrote, demons want Fred to solve a puzzle. She's going to be a damsel later. They want her head. Angel is whining about not getting paid. So, like, they're just showing Angel as being, you know, very capitalistic in this particular episode because he's trying to, like, take on all these extra cases to make money for Connor's future. Whatever. Don't fucking care. Wes and Gunn come to save the day, but really, Angel, they all show up just in time to save Fred the Damsel. Um, and then the episode ends with Angel saying, money's important, but it isn't everything. And so then Angel Investigations is never super popular and overrun by a bunch of different people needing help at the same time ever again until possibly they need it for a plot device in the future. I don't know. Um, Cordy and Angel with Connor on the bed. So that, so the last scene of the episode is Cordelia and Angel, like super tired, laying on probably Angel's bed. It's gotta be because Cordelia has her own apartment, which seems silly considering everyone else lives at the fucking hotel. Like, wouldn't you, if you were Cordelia? I mean, I guess she wants to have some semblance of independence. Plus, she has a fucking great apartment. Um, so the last shot is them, like, laying in bed together. And it's like a twin-size bed, too. With Connor in the middle. And she's feeding Connor a bottle. And he's just laying there, holding on to Connor's foot or something. And they look so cute. Don't they look like a family? Like, And all I could think of in that moment... A reminder, just in case, for whatever reason, you tuned into this episode of this podcast first. This is not a spoiler-free podcast. All I could think about in that scene, even though we're supposed to think, oh, look, they're so cute. They're like a family. I would love for Angel and Cordelia to get together. 
That's what they wanted us to think. But all I could think is, one, ew, Angel and Cordelia. And then I was like, ew, Cordelia and Connor. Because like a year from now, if even that, they're going to have a stupid storyline where Cordelia sleeps with Connor because he comes back from an alternate dimension and he's now like in his early 20s or something and she fucking sleeps with him and it's the stupidest plot ever and they only did it because they were trying to write Cordelia off the show and they were just doing her character they were trying to write Charisma Carpenter off the show and they were just doing her character dirty and my god if you think you're annoyed by this show now I mean this is Everybody says that season three is the best season of Angel. I feel like I've heard that a bunch of times. And it's not like it's terrible, but I just fucking hate it. <laughs> okay, next episode. Four of five, Waiting in the Wings. Written and directed by Joss Whedon. Not surprised because it features Summer Glau, who was... um river on firefly and the movie serenity which is another manic pixie dream nerd it's exactly joss whedon's type so i'm not surprised that this episode is written and directed by joss whedon but this was actually a really good episode um i really i actually enjoy this episode you know if i were gonna pick like five or ten angel episodes to actually go back to in the future this might be one of them so the summary is the spirits of two lovers take over angel and cordelia at the opera causing them to act out a love scene that happened over a hundred years before that's okay yeah that happens in the episode but the main point of this episode is that summer glau's character she's a ballerina and i'm assuming that she's actually a ballerina because it looked like she was dancing the steps um Angel gets really excited at the beginning of the episode. He's gotten tickets to the ballet and he's making everybody go with him. So it's just a cute episode where everybody gets to dress up super nice and go to the ballet. And he's super excited because he saw this particular dancing troupe do this particular ballet over a hundred years ago. And he starts realizing as they're watching the ballet that not only is it the same dancing troupe, and the same opera, but it's the same fucking people. What's up with that? Are they vampires? Is this, is this a vampire ballet? No, not quite so interesting. It's actually, they're all, it's all a spell, except for Summer Glau's character, who still exists. Somehow she's been kept outside of time, and all she knows is doing this ballet night after night after night and no one else is there anymore it's just this one old white guy that has complete control over her entire existence and i can't help but think is this a joss whedon surrogate character this old scary white guy warlock dude that has got his manic pixie dream nerd in a time loop forever Yep. Okay. My notes at the time. Oh, and the whole episode is just kind of at one point, for whatever reason, um, Fred is sitting in between Gunn and Wesley, and then Cordelia and Angel are sitting behind them on a different row. And throughout most of the ballet, like at intermission, 
Cordelia and Angel go to like investigate what's going on because something's obviously going on and the rest of them just decide to watch the rest of the ballet or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, there's this whole situation where Wesley and Gunn are both reaching to maybe hold hands with Fred at the same time and which one is she gonna choose and blah blah blah. Jesus. Okay, let me just read my notes. Wesley talking about how graceful Fred is. Um, Cordelia, invisible ghost, good with a loofah. Oh yeah, there's this like throwaway joke and even grosser knowing that Joss Whedon wrote it that implies that Cordelia is getting, you know, some sex action from ghost Dennis. Okay, whatever. Angel is super into ballet. Vampire ballet? No. Fred likes gun, but Cordelia thinks she's talking about Fred. Angel likes Cordelia. Ugh. Angel, stop calling me pastries. This is a funny little moment where Angel and Lorne were talking about Cordelia and like Lorne was calling Angel out on how he has feelings for Cordelia, which I fucking hate this so much. But anyway, and the whole scene, he's just ending every sentence with or beginning every sentence with cinnamon buns. You see... <laughs> sweet roll you know and at the end of the conversation angel's like stop calling me pastries <laughs> which i love that was probably the most fun little moment of the episode my next note was gross i hate this <laughs> i don't know what specifically i was reacting to in the moment but the whole cordelia and angel being possessed by like the spirits of basically they were being possessed by cordelia was being possessed by like the the ghost of Summer Glau's character from the past, and Angel was being possessed by her lover, who was, you know, not the guy that's the warlock guy because she doesn't have feelings for him. But they have to, like, go into this dressing room and get possessed by these two spirits in order to find information. They have to. They have to, like, totally make out and almost have sex with each other. And I just hate it. I like that they're playing it like Cordelia doesn't have feelings for Angel. I mean, later we're just going to find out that she was just too too stupid to notice that he liked her and he's loved and she's loved him all along. But in this moment, they're playing it like Cordelia's not at all interested in Angel. And it's too bad they don't, you know, follow that through, but I like that. Um I mean, when they're possessed, they're super into each other, but anyway, god hate it so much. Like, who was clamoring for Angel and Cordelia? I guess people probably were, but why? Anyway. Um, Gunn is loving it. They, this is another thing that, like, in the past I found this charming, but now I'm just seeing through to the writer's room and Joss Whedon being like, wouldn't it be hilarious if the big, you know, masculine black guy was super into the ballet and he just thought it was amazing like yeah great wonderful sure um ah, god <laughs> at the end of the episode gun and fred kiss and wesley sees it and for a second they're like making you think that wesley's going to be possessed by the old warlord guy um, which kind of backs up because Wesley's definitely a Joss Whedon surrogate character. So that's interesting. 
<laughs> even further backs up my theory. Anyway, um, so for a second, they're making you think that Wesley's going to go crazy and like get and be super jealous, and blah, blah, blah. Um, of course, the power center of the warlock guy is his amulet. Angel destroys it. Then at the very, very end of the episode, Gru shows up. You guys remember Gru? The Grusalug from the other, like, the fantasy dimension or whatever from the end of the last season. Um, he shows up and he's super happy to reunite with Cordelia. And Angel looks super jealous. Great. Next episode. Couplet. So now we're caught up. This episode aired on February 18th, 2002. So I am now caught up. So next week I can talk about things in a normal way again and never binge watch Angel episodes again. This episode's summary is Angel feels jealous when the Grusalug can do things he can't, such as go into sunlight. And Wesley ponders the consequences of office relationships. So throughout the episode, they're kind of having pairing Wesley and Angel together because they're both spurned because Fred likes Gunn and doesn't like Wesley and Cordelia likes Gru and doesn't like Angel. Do I care? No. <laughs> I'm totally fine with the Gunn and Fred relationship, except that I don't, I'm fine with it existing, but I think they didn't write it very well. I mean, basically, it's just they're super into each other for a while. And then I don't even remember how they break up. I don't know. Because maybe they break up because Fred ultimately has more in common with Wesley, which is who she was always supposed to be with in the end anyway. That's the real relationship. The relationship with the old white guy is always the real relationship. You know, Gunn is just a placeholder. So I hate the, the way they did that, but it could have been cool. I don't know. Anyway, um, my notes, couplet, angel being stupid, jealous boy. I mean, David Boreanaz is really good at playing petty jealousy and I love seeing him do it, but the fact, but it's just hardly ever there, is there a, like a good circumstance for him doing it? You know, it's. It plays well in other writers' hands. Like whenever he does that, that petty jealousy thing as Celie Booth on Bones, it works with that character. Does it work with a hundred or 250-year-old vampire? Not really. Because wouldn't you kind of get over some of that petty jealousy bullshit? And also, why are they even entertaining the idea of a relationship with Cordelia and Angel anyway? Why? because we know it can't work out. And since they're painting it as a real love situation, it absolutely cannot work out because Angel will have that fucking one moment of perfect happiness and then he'll lose his soul and blah, 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 blah. Is this entertaining for you, me ranting about Angel for 45 minutes? <laughs> if so, let me know via email, mixtressray at protonmail.com. Always in the description below. <laughs> Because maybe this could be an interesting alternative. Like every like month or so, I just watched watch four episodes of Angel at once and then rant about it. Is that more fun than me just talking about each Angel episode for a few minutes at the beginning? I don't know. What do you think? Let me know. Um, Angel and Gru fight demon. Gru kills and Angel is in the shadows. He feels left out. He's not the ultimate hero. 
not the ultimate warrior anymore. Like, he can't share his hero mantle with someone else. Wesley being stupid jealous boy. Wesley tells Angel he's unique. Gunn and Fred making out on a stakeout. Wesley versus Gunn. So there's a stupid conversation where, like, Wesley, who's still kind of, like, acting like he's the head of Angel Investigations for whatever reason. He's still telling everyone what to do and stuff, which is fine. But, like, he confronts Gunn about, like, you know, being involved with Fred and, like, office relationships aren't a good idea and blah, blah, blah. And Gunn kind of stands up for himself, like, a little bit. But then he feels bad when he realizes that Wesley has a thing for Fred. And I don't know, it's this weird conversation where we're supposed to think that Wesley is letting Gunn have a relationship with Fred. He's allowing it to happen. And isn't that nice of him? No, it's none of his fucking business. None of his fucking business. This is not the kind of work environment where a boss gets to step in and be like, you gotta disclose your relationship to HR. Like, this is fighting demons. This is, you know, your work is your life. It's the mission. They keep saying the mission in the last few episodes, too. I think it's easier to kind of see the themes of Angel when you watch a bunch of episodes at once. God damn it, now I'm talking myself into watching a bunch of episodes of Angel at once. But I think I've decided that through this doing this specifically watching five episodes in one night I've decided that I think I'm gonna be done with Angel like I own the entire Angel series and I think it's possible that I'm going to get rid of it when I'm done with this project well I guess I would still want to have those episodes like like that two-part series where faith crosses over and it's actually a good storyline about faith and i like i like season five of angel i mean at least i think i do we'll see once we get there if i still like it um i don't know maybe i'll keep the stupid dvds but it looks like i'm like a super fan of david boreanaz because i have all seasons of buffy in my house two copies in fact of all seasons of buffy dvds in my house i have the first nine seasons of Bones, and I have the entire Angel series. Anyway. Okay, where are we? Angel gives Cordelia money to take a vacation with Gru. Okay, so that's the very end of the episode. So after all of the, like, again, though, it kind of reads as, like, you're supposed to think, oh, Wesley's being kind because he says to Gunn, she chose. It's not me. And we're supposed to think, great. Wesley consenting and he also does the whole if you ever hurt her kind of bullshit and then Angel gives Cordelia a wad of cash at the end of the episode because the whole episode like Cordelia's trying to figure out how she can have sex with Gru because she's afraid that she's gonna lose her visions because like something about the prophecy in that alternate universe where Lorne comes from where the Grusalug comes from is like he's supposed to mate with the princess with, that has the visions and take the visions from her. So she's afraid that if they consummate their relationship that the visions will go to him. So throughout the episode, Cordelia's motivation is to find some sort of 
what do they call it? I should have written it down. Um, psychic prophylactic? Mystic prophylactic. So Angel has to go with the Gru to like a demon brothel to get a particular potion that Cordelia needs to drink so that she can have sex with Gru. And, you know, the whole time you're like, is Angel going to sabotage this spell? Is he going to sabotage the Gru somehow? Blah, blah, blah. But in the end, Angel hands Cordelia a roll of bills, a bunch of money, and tells her that she should go on a vacation. Take Gru, go on a vacation, live your life for a while. And... I think she does. I think she may be absent from the next episode or two because she's on a vacation with Gru. And probably she comes back having left him or whatever because, you know, she's not really meant to be with him. She's meant to be with Angel. Just like Fred is not really meant to be with Gunn. She's meant to be with Wesley. And whatever. Then the whole episode really, really ends with Wesley's finally... Um, completely translated the prophecy that they're currently there's always some prophecy right um and it says the father will kill the son so this is where now wesley's going to be on a vendetta the last few episodes of the season will be wesley becoming more and more suspicious of angel and and being secretive and like what's he going to do and then he at some point attempts to kill angel or and and or kidnap connor i can't remember exactly how it all plays out but it doesn't go well so that's the big drama that this season's going to end with and because of wesley's actions connor gets kidnapped by holtz at the end of the season um so it's all wesley's fault just like wesley got in the way while um Angel was trying to get through to Faith in season three of Buffy. Um, so Angel, so Wesley tends to make impulsive, maybe not, I guess in the case of Faith, that was a sort of impulsive decision. I don't know. Anyway, they're sort of building Wesley up right now to be like a villain. And he will be for a second, but he's doing it for the right reasons. Anyway, so let's see. Um, if I were, let's say, how many episodes of this season are left? Oh, there's still like seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's eight more episodes. So I could do them in, you know, four in four chunks. I mean, in two chunks of four. What if I did that? One, two, three, four. So we'd be getting through April. That would work. Yeah, that would work actually. Because I have only one episode of Buffy to talk about in April. So I could just catch up on Angel sometime in April. I don't know. Um, 
I'm not going to pretend that I can make a solid plan and stick to it. Y'all should know that about me by now. I'm just going to do it however I feel like doing it <laughs> at the time. So what do you think? I would love to have a vote from you guys um, on just in general. Like, do you want me to do Angel in chunks or do you want me to do Angel at the beginning of every Buffy episode? Like one at a time. What do you think? Kind of, this was kind of fun. <laughs> Honestly. Um, just talked about five episodes of Angel in 45 minutes. Cool. Yeah, that's still more attention than it deserves, probably. Okay, I'm gonna shut up now. And I will see you guys on Saturday where we will talk about As You Were. The Buffy episode where we get to see Riley again. So it's not too dramatic. It's okay. It's not bad. It's not the worst episode ever. There are some funny moments in that episode, if I remember correctly. And I will see you there. Bye!